Feelings Podcast, the podcast where we talk about mental health struggles, aka hard feelings. So today is going to be my first episode. I'm very excited. I'm a little nervous. Today I'm going to be sharing my mental health journey with you, revealing some of my anxiety lore, if you will, telling you about my journey from anxious child to currently anxious adult. So let's, enough with the chit chat, let's just get right into it. So I want to do this in five sections. I wrote down anxious kid, anxious teen, anxious college student, anxious young adulthood, and anxious now. So let's start with my anxious childhood. When I was a kid, I was never diagnosed with anxiety as far as I know. I had a really good childhood. My parents were absolutely awesome, but I did have a lot of irrational fears. What are some of those irrational fears? You know, just normal things like losing teeth. Um, I was so afraid of the tooth fairy, you guys. I was horrified that she was going to come into my house. And it's not that I thought she had ill intentions. I just didn't want any strangers in my house. I actually used to have the tooth fairy take my teeth from the shed. My parents got me this special little tooth fairy box and my dad would bring it out to the shed at night and in the morning we would go get it together so I could get my dollar from the tooth fairy. So, you know, that just sort of gives you an idea of the irrational fears that I had. There were many, many more, some not nearly as cute or funny. Like I was terrified of being buried alive because I saw a 2020 special on it and I just took on all of the fears that had happened to other people. So I feel like that was our first sign that I was going to be an anxious adult because I just had so much anxiety over situations that were, like I said, irrational. They were irrational fears. I did not need to be afraid of the tooth fairy coming into my house and messing anything up or doing anything wrong. The Easter Bunny too. The Easter Bunny was also not allowed in the house. Even Santa Claus. One year Santa Claus came upstairs and took a picture of me with my Polaroid camera. I think my parents thought that would be like a really cute thing to do and I was horrified. And I'm pretty sure the next year I wrote Santa a note saying like, you have to stay downstairs. You cannot come upstairs. You're the only guy that's allowed in the house because you have like presents and stuff. But yeah, so I had a lot of childhood fears, a lot of irrational things that I was afraid of. My big one though was abandonment. I was really afraid that when I went to sleep at night, my parents were going to leave and I would wake up in the morning and be totally alone. That is one that my mom did take me to therapy for. I don't remember much of that just because I was so young, but I remember that being the first time that I knew like, oh, this is not a normal thing that other kids are worried about because I'm being taken to a therapist to work through this. But anyway, that still lasted till I was like 12. So now I guess we're moving into my teenage years. Um, I know that felt really quick for my childhood years, but you know what? I don't remember a lot of that. I just remember having a lot of irrational fears that luckily I grew out of. I was also irrationally afraid of witches. We had to read Roald Dahl's The Witches in fifth grade. And oh my gosh, that really threw me for a loop. I just, I could not handle the idea of these witches living among us and looking for cute little children. I thought, I always thought they were at my soccer games. I just remember being so on high alert at my soccer games, like whipping my head around constantly. The BFG too, freaking Roald Dahl terrified me, dude. I was so afraid that giants were gonna come to my window and scoop me out and eat me up. I barely slept for like six months in the fifth grade when we were reading Roald Dahl books. But anyways, moving on to my teen years, my anxious teen years. So my teen years, my irrational fears started to go away. Like I said, after I turned 12, I stopped being afraid of my parents leaving at night. I finally accepted that they were not going to abandon me because they loved me very much. They never gave me any reason to think otherwise. 
just took me maturing a little bit to finally understand that. But when I got into my teen years, I started to really have an issue with thinking people were mad at me all the time. That's when I feel like my, I'm a highly sensitive person and I feel like that's when that started to develop. Like that extreme empathy of just feeling like I could sense other people's emotions so easily. And I just remember constantly asking people, are you mad at me? Why are you mad at me? Will you please tell me why you're mad at me so I can fix it? And just like reading into people's emotions. And you know, sometimes I was right. I gotta hand it to myself. A lot of times I was right because I was good at reading people's emotions based on their behaviors and stuff. But a lot of times I was wrong too, where people were just having a bad day going through something else and they would just be more frustrated with me for asking over and over again, why are you mad at me? But you know, I think that's a big part of puberty too, just like feeling like you don't fit in, not really knowing what friend group you want to be in. And I just so badly wanted to be accepted. So I just felt so anxious all the time about people not wanting to be friends with me. And you know, I did have little fallouts with my groups of friends where they would tease me a lot for being gullible, for being dumb, as they would say. You know, I kind of was thought of as the dumb friend sometimes, really just because I was sweet, you know, because I was a nice kid, because I wasn't as sarcastic and jokey in that way as the other kids. So I feel like I got picked on because of that. And I just started to really like question where I fit in with my friend groups and worrying about people being mad at me and worrying about not being liked and not knowing how to fit in. I think that's all normal teen stuff, but it definitely did develop my anxiety more and more, you know, because when it all comes down to with anxiety is it goes back to like our way, way back roots, right? We don't want to be rejected by our tribe, you know, back in the day when would, you know, whatever you believe in, but like way, way back in our evolutionary times before we had running water and electricity and all of this, when we all lived outside, people had to rely on their tribe, on the group that they lived with. So to be rejected from the tribe literally was life or death because you needed those resources. So that's like what our anxiety comes down to is like being rejected from our group feels like life or death, even though it's literally just high school and it's just your friend group. But I remember still feeling that same sense of like, this is so serious. If this group of people doesn't like me, I am completely alone and how will I survive? And obviously that wasn't true. Obviously I had my family and I had other friends who I got along with very well, but that is when I started to really develop that sense or why does it feel so life or death to me to be accepted by these people? I just remember feeling like there was something wrong with me that I didn't just naturally fit in with all these people, that I had to constantly feel like I was working hard to fit in with these people. Um, not that like the feelings themselves were something wrong with me, but just that there was something wrong with me that I didn't just easily fit in like a puzzle piece with this group of friends. And as I got to be an older teen, you know, I think with everyone, I found better friends. I found people that accepted me for who I was. But that feeling of, are you mad at me, never went away. Even whatever friend group I was in, I still remember constantly being worried that I had offended someone. Not that I ever said anything offensive because I think I've, I've always been sweet. I'm not a very sarcastic person. Like I just was worried, oh no, how are they perceiving me? And I did have people that were mad at me 
me sometimes, and I can never even remember the reasons why. It was always really silly stuff, you know, in your teens, but I just remember that affecting me so much when somebody was mad at me, even if it was for a stupid, dumb teen reason. I just remember feeling like my heart was going to fall out of my chest because I was so sensitive and so incredibly empathetic. So that was like the major anxiety from my teen years. Now I guess we'll move on to my college years. So none of this stuff like ever fully goes away year to year. You know, I feel like I took some irrational feel fears from my childhood into my teenage years. I took some of that fear of people being mad at me into my college years. I feel like I just kind of added things on top and you know, you lose little things. I lose the fear of losing teeth, which I guess makes sense because I lost all my teeth by the time I was a teenager. But then like, you know, you lose the like fearing that you're not gonna fit in with every single group. By the time I get to college, I was like, no, I'm okay to be more selective with my friends. I don't need to fit in with every single group. But with college came my newest anxiety, which was the fear of failure. You know, college, I was a small fish in a big pond. I went to college for theater, which is a very competitive industry and I realized part of the way through college that I didn't think I wanted to do that anymore and that was horrifying to me because my entire life I had always said that's what I want to do. I want to be in theater. I want to grow up and be an actress. I want to be on Broadway and then halfway through my college career I realized I don't think I'm cut out for this industry not because I don't think I'm talented enough but because I hate the energy of being told that you need to be someone else. You are being too much like yourself in this character. You need to be more like somebody else. And I could not take the criticism. I hated the way that we had to be so harshly criticized all the time to get better. And I know, I know you have to get criticism to get better at something, but I just realized halfway through college that I, I really did not think that was gonna be for me and that gave me an absolute existential crisis. I felt like I was gonna let everybody down if I told them I suddenly didn't want to do this anymore. I felt like I was letting myself down. I felt like I was really letting my child self down who knew ever since she was six years old that she wanted to be an actress. So that came with a lot of anxiety and confusion and not knowing what to do next. I changed my minor a couple of times, but it just caused so much confusion. It also made me feel a real lack of identity. I feel like I really started to lack a sense of self. I remember a moment my sophomore year where I had a mental breakdown where I said, oh my God, I don't know who I am and I don't know who I like. All I knew up until now was that I liked theater and I remember being like, and I love animals and those are the things that I like. And I just felt like everything else I did was me latching on to what other people liked. A big issue I had in college was just kind of being a mirror ball, to quote my favorite Taylor Swift song, mirror ball, one of my favorite Taylor Swift songs. I'll show you every version of yourself tonight. Like I would just kind of mirror the people that I was with. Again, I guess to fit in, even though I said like, I felt less of that pressure after being a teenager, but it never feeling really goes away. You know, the pressure to fit in, even though I said I was more selective with my friend group, but I still, I just like people I was dating too. I would just mirror the things that I felt like they wanted to see, I wanted to be, who they wanted me to be as a partner. And I just felt a real lack of self, especially with deciding I didn't wanna do the major I went to college for. 
it just gave me a real identity crisis and uh, I really tried to get some of my identity back. I felt like towards the end of college I was starting to find my own interests more. I got to take a try at directing which was really fun. I got more into creative writing which was awesome. I added a film and media studies minor which was so fun. I did a film, I did multiple film internships. Like I really did start to become more independent and figure out the stuff that I liked which was great and amazing and gave me a much greater sense of self and then I graduated college. <laughs> and man oh man, that identity crisis just started all over again. I would say graduating college was the first time I really started to feel depressed. I do think I've had symptoms of depression a lot throughout my teenage life too because a key symptom of mine has always been oversleeping. Like if I didn't set an alarm, I could sleep till 3 p.m. every day no matter what time I went to sleep and I had trouble going to sleep too. So I feel like there were little inklings there during my teenage years, but I turned 23 and depression hit me like a truck. Like I said, at the end of my college years, and really in the middle of my college years, I realized I didn't want to do what I initially went to school for. So when I graduated, I moved to New York. I got a job that was horrible. I got a canvassing job that I thought I was going to change the world canvassing for Planned Parenthood, but the canvassing company I worked for was awful and underpaid us severely and overworked us. So I quit that job and then I got a job at a coffee shop. I worked my way up to be a manager within like 10 months, which was really impressive. I remember feeling really proud of myself for that because I got a good paying job. It had a salary. I was compensated well. It had a good mix of corporate work, administration work, but also getting to do something that was more fun. You know, I still got to make lattes. I got to be on the floor. It was in food service, but in a more like management position so I felt like it was a good combination of admin work and creative work I guess I don't know I felt like making lattes was creative work I really enjoyed that part of it but then I even reached a point in that where I just started to feel the pressure from the sales goals you know I had a regional manager who was constantly trying to get me to bring our sales up and do things that made me uncomfortable like go to other office buildings and beg them to do promotions with us and I just started to get this sense of I am being forced to promote something that I don't feel super passionate about. You know, the coffee was good. It was good enough coffee, but I wasn't passionate about it. You know, I wasn't super excited to share this coffee with the world the way I am with graphic liner and with my makeup and everything. So um, I started looking for other jobs while I was still there. I was trying to get out and then eventually I went to this career counselor who she was an expert in giving the Myers-Briggs personality test. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's like a four letter type of who you are. So she gave me this Myers-Briggs personality test and I came back as an INFP which is nicknamed the idealist and I remember when she told me that I was like oh how lovely ideal ideal situations and she was like oh no sweetheart that means that you are never going to be satisfied with something unless you are doing something that you absolutely love so you will never be happy working a job that you are not 100% passionate about and it is going to suck the absolute life out of you and I was like oh okay <laughs> but she was absolutely right and you know now I've been doing a lot of inner work and self-discovery and looking into things like human design. If you're familiar with human design, I'm a generator and that lines up like so much with being an INFP and being an idealist. Like a generator cannot do something unless it is fully lighting them up. Like that is what gives us the energy to create. But 
that's not what this video is about. I'll get into all that stuff in another video if you're interested. But yeah, so basically I go to this career counselor, she tells me she's an idealist, I start feeling even more miserable at my job because now I'm hyper aware that this job is not ideal, it's not lighting me up. So I'm still looking for other jobs, but then something happens at work where basically, I don't wanna go into the whole thing. Needless to say, I got fired like two days later, technically laid off. All of this happened just a couple months before the panoramic started, so you can imagine how the timing of this is going. So I get laid off, and then I immediately start applying for jobs like crazy. I was just applying for the same types of jobs. I would have been just as miserable at the job. I don't know why I thought like, oh, a different company will be better. I'll enjoy being a manager at a different company. I'll enjoy doing admin work at a different company. I actually almost got a job as a junior account executive which what the frick even is that? I have no idea. It was like one of my old regulars from work who was trying to get me to sign up for that. But anyways, luckily that didn't work out because of the pandemic. And then, you know, once that happened, I realized no one was gonna be hiring for a while. I started to get back into creating. I had already been posting to my YouTube channel for a couple of years before 2020. I believe I started my channel in 2018, but I really started to take it seriously because I was like, you know what? If no one's hiring anyways right now, I'm just gonna do the stuff that I love and see if I can make that into a career. So that brings us to these last few years where, you know, the last few years, oh my gosh, the growth has been insane because for my first couple years of taking YouTube and Instagram and all that seriously, I didn't really get much out of it. You know, it took me like a year and a half, maybe just a year to get monetized on YouTube to reach those 1000 subscribers. And I worked so hard. I posted so many videos a week and I was so happy when I finally did it, but I still wasn't making enough money. In 2021, I ended up going back to work. I found a work from home job, which was really wonderful, but it still was sucking the life out of me because it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. And I didn't have time to both do that and pursue my creative pursuits. I was getting up at five in the morning so that I could film videos before I had to clock in at 6.45 at my work from home job. I was exhausted and I was giving myself panic attacks because I was overworking myself. And finally that job was seasonal and when that ended, I said, okay, we, we gotta do this content creation thing full time because this is literally the only thing that brings me joy. I feel like I have no other choice. And luckily it started to work out for me, but that doesn't mean my anxiety went away. I know you're probably like, what is this part of the journey. You're not talking about anxiety anymore, but the panic attacks were a big part of what was happening when I was not doing things that made me happy. But even as I've gotten more successful with my content creation business, I was still having moments, this is back in January now, even when I was feeling successful, even when I had signed with the management team, even when I was getting paid collaborations, getting paid affiliate sales and everything, I still was feeling like a failure. I still felt like I was disappointing myself every day. I still woke up every day, had to drag myself out of bed. I had so much trouble getting out of bed in the morning this entire time, but especially at the beginning of this year. And I just remember reaching a point where I was like, when does it end? How successful do I have to be before I stop feeling like this? Because I feel like I keep telling myself when I reach a thousand subscribers, when I get monetized, when I sign with the management team, when I start getting paid collaborations, and every time I would reach a goal, 
I would move the goalposts for myself even further from when I was allowed to be happy. And I finally reached a breaking point where I said, I don't want my entire life to be like this because right now it feels like this is just going to keep happening. I'm just going to keep moving the goalposts. Every day I'm going to wake up feeling disappointed, feeling like a failure. This can't go on. So I finally had a friend who had told me about hers, which is an online, it's an app that you can use to talk to a psychiatrist and see if you're a good candidate for going on medication. So needless to say, I went on this app. I took their intake form and my psychiatrist said, yeah, it seems like you have severe anxiety and moderate depression, which I was like, what? Like I knew about the anxiety part, but the depression part really threw me for a loop, even though I shouldn't be surprised because of the whole struggling to get out of bed thing for like 10 years plus. So yeah, in February, I started taking anxiety medication. I take fluoxetine, which is a generic for Prozac. I'm going to make a separate episode talking about getting on medication and answering any questions you might have on that because oh my god I had a million questions and I felt like I couldn't get a straight answer and I was so nervous to start I mean talk about already had severe anxiety then the doctor gives me a list of potential side effects for my medication and I'm like I might just stay anxious forever because I don't want to do I want to deal with any of that but I'm so glad that I got over myself and just took the medication anyways because I have been doing so much better since being on it and that's not the only thing I've been doing I, I always feel this need to like give a disclaimer. I don't know why. It's it's an implicit bias in me, but I have not just been taking medication and that made things better. It's certainly helped, but I've also been doing a lot of inner work, a lot of meditation. I'm going to therapy now, which is awesome. So yeah, I'm doing a lot of things. I'm walking, I'm journaling, I'm, the, I'm meditating in a way that works for me, which I can talk about more. Um, basically, it's just like me hosting a podcast in my head, not talking out loud to anyone. I can explain that further for you. But yeah, that brings us to my current place in my mental health journey. I still have days where I get really anxious but I haven't had a panic attack since being on medication, which is awesome. My panic attacks were never super frequent, but there were big buildups to them before. Like I would build up and build up and push down these feelings and push down these feelings. And then one day I would just absolutely break and they were horrifying. So I am glad that the medication has helped with that. But like I said, I do still have anxious days. I do still have days where I wake up feeling like a failure, but now I feel like I have more coping mechanisms to work through that. And yeah, that's basically where we're at. I'm not cured. I still have severe anxiety and moderate depression for sure but I feel like I'm stepping in the right direction. I've been working with a psychiatrist and a therapist, and I want to share the coping mechanisms that I've been using with you guys and to just help you feel less alone. That's really my whole purpose for making this podcast is I'm not a mental health professional, clearly not a therapist, not a psychiatrist, not here to tell you what to do for your mental health. I'm just here to hopefully help you feel less alone and tell you what I've been doing for my mental health. So I hope you'll follow along with this journey with me. I also was really nervous to put this out and make this episode because I don't want anyone who knows me in real life to feel like they feel bad that they missed anything, you know, to feel bad that they maybe didn't notice that I was struggling with anxiety or depression because I think my friends and family are amazing and I think that I have been really good at hiding it for a long time. So I don't want anyone to feel bad for not seeing it. That's like very important to me that my friends and family know that I love them so much and I don't blame anyone for not seeing these symptoms earlier. 
and yeah, I want to keep sharing with you because I feel like a lot of us downplay our symptoms, myself included. I really downplayed these feelings I was struggling with for a long time, just telling myself everybody struggle. Everybody gets anxious like this, okay? It's not just you and there's something wrong with you that you can't get over this the way everybody else does, but needless to say, sister, me, a lot of people are taking medication to help them get over those things. A lot of people are using coping mechanisms that I was not previously using, so I do want to share those things with you. Um, I know this first episode is probably really rambly, but what can I say? I have to tell you my whole story in a short amount of time, so I hope that you feel like you know my story a little better now. I'm sure I'll touch on more things as this podcast goes on. Like I said, my next episode will probably be talking about my journey with medication telling you about the whole process, telling you about the intake questions and all of that, my fears, symptoms I was afraid of that were no worries, symptoms that did happen that weren't as scary as I thought they were gonna be. I'll be answering all of your questions, so be sure to subscribe and follow along. But I appreciate you so much for watching or listening to the Hard Feelings podcast, and I can't wait to talk to you about some more hard feelings next time. Bye!